Hello and welcome to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andrew. And this is your other host, Hamish. How are you going today, Hames? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm okay. I'm still a bit bored because I'm still in COVID lockdown. Yeah, well, we were expecting to think, get some things loosened, but there's some cluster like 40k away from us or something, so no lock, no lockdown easings just yet. No lockdown easings just yet because yeah. of that cluster. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You've been able to go back to school, haven't you? Yeah. Has that been good? Definitely, yeah. Great. Better than online learning. Yeah, online learning's garbage, isn't it? Yes. So tell us about what happens in this podcast series. Uh, we break down each of their albums in their final English publication form. And we've decided to work through the albums according to how highly we rank them rather than chronologically. That's going to be difficult because there's quite a lot of equal mediocre or equal good or equal bad. There's not that many bad ones, but there's a few. There's some pretty bad uh, ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be hard to choose what ones to do next. Yeah. yeah. And one of uh, the album we're looking at today is one of the really the top ranked ones. So yeah. how are we going to attack the particular album? Uh, well, we used to have a section called artwork, but now that's kind of just incorporated into the different sections are the characters, the best haddock moment if he's in the book, which he is, um, the geography, and we also have two new sections, corrections and supernatural Hergé. Tell me about supernatural Hergé. Well, apparently, like, Hergé was kind of getting into these strange ideas, like in Flight 714, he has the, um, Tintin has the alien visions and just, just strange for a generally realistic book. Yeah, so we're trying to explore why that's the case. And yeah. what is this episode devoted to? Uh, Tintin in Tibet. Okay, so we'll have a little break and we'll come back with our brand new section called Corrections. Welcome back. This is our brand new section called Corrections. So when I was listening to the previous episode, I realized that there were a couple of mistakes yes. that we made. The first one is that I said the magazine which Tintin was originally published in, which is called Le Petit Vingtième. One of the first of three uh, uh, magazines that Tintin was published in. Was there really three yeah, magazines? Yeah, there was Le, Le, Le Petit Vingtième. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And then there was Le Soir during World War oh, II. Yeah. And then there was Tintin magazine. Uh-huh. And yeah. Le Soir was, of course, a controversial publication. Which, yes. Uh, saw Hergé being accused of being a collaborator with the... Um, the Vichy regime. Now, I said Le Petit Vingtième translated to the little time, but it actually translates to... The little 20s. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> it came out in the 1920s, but... Oh, that would make a bit more sense then. Yeah, but yeah. maybe it was for little kids in the 1920s. Maybe. Yeah. What was the other mistake? But it's not our fault. Uh, well, we should still have done our research, but Tintin Wiki, which is one of our main reference sources, thank you to them, said that Port Say Sayed, Sayed yeah. Yeah, is a fictional city located in Egypt. It's actually a real country on the Suez Canal. So Suez Canal. I thought that it was a real port, and when I read in Tintin Wiki... You that it was fictional. thought that was correct. Yeah, yeah. so whoever's responsible for that entry, it's garbage. <laughs> Sorry. Generally, those fan wikis and Wikipedia are very good, but obviously sometimes there's some misinformation. Yeah, there's some, actually some fantastically good and precise information on Tintin Wiki. So for the most part, yeah. we love them. Yes. But in this case, Port Said is a real place. If whoever's listen, whoever wrote that is listening. <laughs> whoever wrote that is listening, they might be. Yes. They might be from you know a nearby city to Port Said and want to kind of... Maybe they're from a... Rival city to Port Sayed. Yeah, yeah, like 
poet, what did he say, Ed? (laughs) 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 We'll come back with our classic section background briefing. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. So this section is called Background Briefing, where we chop up briefly the albums. So tell yes. me about Tintin in Tibet when it first surfaced. Uh, in English, 1962. So that's the main focus of this podcast, but in French, 1960. So it didn't take them too long to translate. Who were the translators? Uh, they're Leslie Lonsdale Cooper and Michael Turner. You knew that off the top of your head. Yes, I, I think it's on the inside of the um, Tintin books. Oh, magnificent. Is Leslie, uh, Leslie male or female? She is a female, and yeah. Michael Turner, well, hence his quite generic name, is a male. It could be, uh, well, who knows? <laughs> no, I'm being stupid. Back then it was much more clear-cut. Um, and when did it turn up in French in Tintin magazine? Uh, between 1958 and 1959, so that's a lot smaller of a window than some other books. In the sense that they were grinding the uh, weekly or the – was it weekly or fortnightly they were getting It would the, have been weekly if it took them that short, maybe transition from fortnightly to weekly. Yeah. So they had the full studio by that stage was working, uh, you know, producing the Tintin. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the album. E.P. Jacobs and Bob Demore and Hergé himself. Yeah, Hergé yeah. would have been smoking Guiton, which is a French cigarette, <laughs> probably Bob Demore. And, of course, there was a, 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 a young artist in the studio who Hergé was uh, starting a relationship with. Her name was Fanny, who ended up becoming his second wife. Yes. But we won't dwell too much on this because that's a podcast for um, maybe a podcast episode for adults rather than children who's <laughs> our primary audience, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so why do we like Uh, Tintin in Tibet, why do you like it? Well, it kind of draws on mythical creatures, which is what we'll talk about in our new section, Supernatural Hergé. The artwork and storyline is, like, consistent and quite good. So what do you kind of maybe dislike about this story? I find Tintin's a little bit annoying in this one. Well, he's kind of just trying to save his friend, but the only thing he's basing it off is a dream. So if he lugged Haddock all the way there to find out that it was false because it was just a dream he had but he did save Chang so it ended up being worth it but he was kind of just keep saying we need to keep doing this we need to keep doing this even though it's just about a dream but it shows determination I suppose. I suppose so you can't really give up on your friend if you truly believe they're alive like that I guess it's not fair to characterize him as annoying. Yeah well that's kind of what he comes across as though. Mm, He's very single-minded isn't he about, about that particular pursuit. Haddock is good Haddock in this one. I mean, he doesn't spend too much time inebriated. Yeah. Uh, he's maybe not as – I mean, he has his funny moments, doesn't he? But he's yeah. not as – Yeah. Okay. So that's the conclusion of background briefing. We'll have a short pause and we'll come back with our next section, geography. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, Welcome back to BB and our photo, uh, <laughs> podcast episode <laughs> feature today is Tintin in Tibet. Is in this section, I should say, before I launch into the questions, <laughs> it's geography. So I pose to you sophisticated geographical questions and you give me, hopefully, the correct answer. Yes. Question, first question, is Tibet an independent nation? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they like to think that they are, but officially the UN says no, they're not. Uh 
the Public People's Republic of China, uh, so just mainland China, incorporated Tibet in 1950, um, so a while ago. That's right. And obviously, by the time that Hergé drew this adventure, that they'd already been uh, incorporated yeah, by China. So it was already, but it's interesting how it doesn't talk about mainland People's Republic of China at all. No. It's all focused in Tibet. And the people and culture of Tibet, who yeah. to this main, to this day maintain their their kind of sense of independence, and there's a, a widespread independence movement yeah. for Tibet. What airline is it that crashes with Chang on board? Uh, Indian Airways, which is not actually a real thing. It's Indian Airlines. Maybe he did that to avoid getting copyrighted or anything. But um, Tintin and Haddock later on fly Air India, though. Yeah, which so, is real, I believe. Yeah. So the only way that we know that Chang was on an Indian Airways aeroplane is because there's a newspaper article at the start of this adventure that says that's what he was flying on. But I wonder yeah. if it's a mistranslation, whether Leslie, what's Lonsdale Cooper and, and Michael Turner. Yeah, whether they got a, you know, they should have translated as Air India. Yeah, well, it's obviously hard to translate an entire book and they translated every book, so... Still, kudos to them. Kudos to them. But we'll give them a free pass on that one. But yeah. Chang is flying on so-called Indian Airways. Yes. So maybe there wasn't enough oil in the motor or the weather was too bad or something yeah, it's, like it's that. Yeah, it is the weather is too the bad. The weather's too bad? Yeah. yeah. Fancy that, flying over the Himalayas to discover that there's snow and ice. <laughs> I've actually flown from Delhi to Moscow. And really? as I flew, you could see the Himalayas on the horizon. Oh, wow. Did you pass over like... K2 and um, Mount Everest? No, it was to the to the left. The amazing oh. thing is that it looks like a bank of clouds in the sky because they're so high. Yeah. That actually looks like clouds rather than mountains. Yeah. So it's it's Also, you were flying just um, – and K2 and all of those kind of mount, famous mountains were to the uh, west. No, never – east, yeah. east, east. Never east. east. No, they were to the west. According oh, okay. To, yeah. yeah, okay. Flying Aeroflot, which is certainly not an experience I recommend to any of our listeners. If you can book <laughs> a different airline, even Indian Airways, it's which, well worth it, a look. Just book the fictional airline. <laughs> book a fictional airline rather than flying Aeroflot. At the very start, Tintin and her Haddock are on a holiday and where are they staying and how do we know where they're staying? Uh, they're staying – so I'm going to completely get this pronunciation wrong, but Vagues. Vagues, yes, thank you. Uh, it's a fictional French alpine town. And the only way that people know it is that uh, Nesta, I think, yeah. would have written, uh, wrote it on the envelope that uh, contains the news that Chang was coming. Um, so, yeah, that's the only way that anyone knows that where they were staying. Which is interesting. I wouldn't pick that it was France, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so Nesta writes a letter indicating to um, Tintin and Haddock that Chang was supposed to be coming to visit. Yeah. Oh. Nesta, was he a good letter writer or we don't actually have any idea? <laughs> don't know. Mm. So Tintin actually visits India and Nepal before going to Tibet and yeah. France, apparently. But yeah, so they start in France and then what? They head to India to launch their journey to yeah, Nepal. Yeah, to Nepal and then heading towards Tibet. Tibet. Yeah. So it's a very brief return to India where Tintin had previously been in Cigars of the Pharaoh and yeah. the Blue Lotus. Yeah, at the very start, which we talked about last episode, which we made about a month ago. Yeah, with three visits to India, it's one of the most commonly visited Tintin countries. Wait, is it really three? Because I reckon um, the 
visits in Cigars of the Fair and Blue Lotus is the same because he doesn't go India somewhere else, India. He goes India, India, India. Oh, and good then, call. Yeah. Hipsters call. Yeah, just good stuff. All right, so he only visits India twice. Twice by our reckoning. Yeah, because say you spend six months in a country, you don't visit that country twice. During, like, you don't say, I've been to a country three times. I haven't said that. I don't get to add that to how many countries I've been to because you can only go to a country once. Um, like, but you can go to. It's kind I'm, of fun I'm to totally explain, with you. The yeah. only person who would make that error is Jolly and Wag. Everyone else <laughs> would get it right. Speaking of Jolly and Wag, we're going to come back with our next section, which is characters. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. Our episode is Tintin in Tibet. And you just heard some French music and Hamish and I were singing along in the background <laughs> while that was going on and doing a little dance and whacking each other with, um, with baguettes. <laughs> and I hit you in the stomach with a baguette. And I bludgeoned you. <laughs> we've got characters. So we've got Tintin, Snowy. I love Snowy in this. Tell, my my favourite Snowy part in this one is... The way he gets drunk and then he's like, good and bad conscience come and try. And, and I love how the bad conscience is like the devil and um, the good conscience is like an angel. <laughs> That's right. I think there's a devil and angel in another... Yeah, I think is there it is. Is in America? He, yeah, it's definitely he has a one, bone. like an early one. Um, oh, King Otter Scepter. King Otter Scepter. Which is a very good one. We should do that next. Yeah, right. Let's do the King Otter Scepter. We've got Haddock. We talked about him earlier. He's kind of just, he's loyal to Tintin as per usual. Yeah. Um, we'll come back with our best Haddock moment. We've got Chang Chong Cheng. Um and so who's Cheng Chong Cheng? He's uh, one of Tintin's best friends. He meets him in the Blue Lotus and then he reappears. He's kind of the main character that doesn't appear that much in Tintin in Tibet, but that's what the entire episode is centred around. Oh, adventure is centred around is rescuing Chang. So he's a very important character in Tintin in Tibet. Correct. So Chang Chong Cheng makes his brief appearance and Tintin rescues him. Mm. There's a few other characters. There's Blessed Lightning, who's a levitating visionary. Which we'll talk about in our next section. Supernatural Hergé. Been a lot of build-up to that section, The character that I always thought his name was Tharky, but you told me it was Tharky. Well, I think um, in the Adventures of Tintin TV show on Netflix... They call him Tharky, but in no, that... No, Tharky. Uh, do they call him Tharky? They or? call him Tharky or Tharky. <laughs> they call him something, but I would say the one in Tintin in the Adventures of Tintin is not how Hergé intended it to be pronounced or Leslie Lonsdale Cooper and Michael Turner intended because they have American accents in uh, that TV show, so it wouldn't make sense because he's Belgian, so, um, <laughs> but yeah. So maybe, well, um, Captain Haddock kept calling... Taki, Taki, and Taki got a pickaxe and held it to Haddock's <laughs> head and said, get this right or else. Then we've got one other character. Oh, uh, well, we've got a bit more, but the, ones but that, the one we're that we're going to yeah, focus on is Yeti. So generally in mythology, Yetis are depicted as kind of white monsters. And this one, the Yeti's actually good. It takes, um, it helps Chang. And it also is kind of it's got a very high head it's brown which would not generally yet he's almost always depicted as white in dungeons and dragons and other mythology 
games and stories. Um, and it almost looks human. It has like large human-like feet. Has a human-like face. The only thing that's not human about it is its huge head and its yeah. brown fur. But like its toes and its uh, its face features. Is it very... kind of like a, a gorilla or something? Ma used to have mm. a hat. Your mum used to have a hat that looked like the Yeti's head. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to make that comment to her, and um, uh, um, that you know it was only known to the the t- Tintin hipsters that yes. this curious shaped hat was indeed like the Yeti's head. There's actually, did you know that there's Bigfoot, mythological Bigfoot creatures in a whole lot of different yeah. cultures? So in yeah. the United States or in North America, it's called the, the Sasquatch or something like that. I can't Sasquatch? So, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not unusual to have this kind of mythical, unsighted yeah. Bigfoot character. Well, here in Australia, we have the Bunyip. The Bunyip. Yeah, which is kind of that monster thing. Yeah, the unseen monster of the bush. Yes. Okay. That brings to a conclusion that section of characters. Next, we'll come back with Supernatural Hergé. Supernatural Hergé is the new section and it's not going to appear in every adventure because just towards the end of the Tintin albums, Hergé started to flirt with some unusual supernatural ideas. In other words, he, uh, his writing went a bit on the crazy side. Yeah, so we've got, obviously we talked at the start about the end of Flight 714 to Sydney. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we finally talk about that album. We talked yeah. about the Yeti before. Mythological creature like um, the Sasquatch or whatever you call it. Sasquatch, yeah, and it's strange how um, Hergé just decided to depict that Yeti, which we talked about before, um, and it's very different to what Yeti is normally seen as and shown as. And then there's another character called Blessed Lightning. And what does Blessed Lightning do? Uh, he calls, um, he foretells the avalanche. He says he, that it's coming. He calls Tintin Great Heart, which kind of seems like a mythological name or some kind and he levitates he levitates um, and there's a, always been like a hoax about monks being able to levitate and normally they do it with their legs like crossed like they're doing yoga but this guy was levitating standing upright and normally they levitate with like a stick in their hand um and then there's like a thing under their mat that they're using to look like it's levitating but well they are levitating but they're they're using levitating magic with tricks. assistance. Yeah, like yeah. conjuring like a standard magic trick yeah. as opposed to the fact that there's humans who can actually levitate. Yes, yeah. But Hergé was certainly taken with these ideas. Harry Thompson suggests that it's because his uh, partner and future wife, um, Fanny, was interested in kind of things like ESP and Hergé was kind of attracted yeah. to those ideas. I don't think anyone has ESP. I think people sometimes just know what's happening, like – no can think what's happening. Like no one, the people that predict sports bets and stuff, they don't see into the future and say, yep, this is going to happen. They're just uh, quite ex- experts on the topic so that they set those things to be as close to what they think will happen as possible. As opposed to actually having ESP, that's yeah. right. And I was saying to you, maybe Fanny was interested in something called theosophy, which was this kind of late 19th century mix of kind of um, Buddhist and Hindu ideas and philosophies with some yeah. Western esoteric ideas. So maybe she was interested in that and Hergé then became kind of vaguely interested in yetis and levitations. But yeah, to that maybe. we say... 
Malaki. Bollocks. Bollocks, which is <laughs> Tharki says Malaki. Yes. Okay, come back with our last section, best haddock moment. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back to Blistering Barnacles. This is our last section, best haddock moment. Not a lot of really great haddock moments in this adventure. Oh, uh, yeah, there? I feel like. Since there's no cal- well, there is calculus, but very little of him. I think Hergé felt like he owed it to the fans to um, uh, include at least one major character. So Haddock won that kind of. He just he won the he won the, the supporting the role contest. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's really the only major character other than calculus that is actually comes on Tintin. And Snowy. Oh, well, but Snowy's. The, if the Tintin's white. in it, Snowy's in it. That's but, right. Yeah. Uh, what kind of dog is Snowy again? He's a white... Wire fox terrier, fox which terrier. I've never seen before until the other day. Yeah, we saw one yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we should have captured it and kept it for ourselves. But we've got... <laughs> two dogs lovely, already. Lovely two dogs. Well, one yeah. nice dog and one kind of weird one. The best haddock moment is he gets drunk on route to the Himalayas. He walks yes. in front of Taki and Tintin. Darky, darky, and he <laughs> slips into a hallucinogenic dream, which is very weird. He's kind of dressed in a red suit, quite a tall hat. He's uh, he, and he's carrying umbrellas with yeah. a large bottle on his back. And then um, calculus, which is this is barely one of the only times calculus is in it, starts like <laughs> they just start blabbering nonsense to each other, and then um. <laughs> Calculus grows to giant size, smacks Caddick over the over his head with the with an umbrella, um, and goes checkmate, and they're on like a checkerboard, and then uh, Haddock smacks his head into a tree and falls over, and then Tintin rushes up to him. Yeah, so so it's that that whack on the head with the umbrella is like Haddock whacking into the tree. Yeah. So it's a yeah. kind of strange moment. Is that one of the few? Is that like the only instance of calculus in this adventure? Oh, he's the you know the part where Tintin's going, Chang's coming, Chang's coming, oh. and then uh, calculus goes, champagne. I don't think so. Not for this young man. That's right. Which made you think that maybe Tintin was aged under twenty-one because or eighteen. Oh, that would have, probably the drinking age probably would have been in. France in the 50s might have been 21 or yeah. probably 12 years old. Three Something. years old. <laughs> Three years old. <laughs> have your first sip of champagne. That brings to a conclusion this particular episode of Blistering Barnacles, a Tintin fan podcast. Hamish, what will we do next time? Uh, we think King Otico's Scepter, which in my opinion is one of the most underrated episodes. Yeah, I really like that one. Yeah. So King Otico's Scepter. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you... Rate and review us on iTunes. You sound Give like one of those stars. generic YouTubers. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Ring the bell. That's right. <laughs> and support all our sponsors. <laughs> None. <laughs> one day we'll have a sponsor. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We'll check you again. Next time.